Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 320. When the zombie apocalypse comes, he who controls the antihistamines will be king. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. To my right, Breathew Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Noticed that we have some new people in the studio. It's a full house. It is a, it is a full house. We do have the Olsen twins in the studio. <laughs> Tonight, but only one at a, at a time. time. <laughs> Box Cutters is all about television. If you've not listened to us before, there are at least 319 other episodes that might be better than this. You, and you said episode 320, and I genuinely felt tired. <laughs> it, was, it was like, really? Seriously? You haven't been here for that, all of them. I haven't, shows. no. That's counting the specials as well, isn't it? Which we're not yeah, counting yeah. that, too. Not, ca- not counting the specials. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's anyway, lot. so go on. Anyway, uh, one of them is a special guest donor. One of them being the Olsen twins. One of the special Olsen twins uh, in the studio. A special guest donor, Tracy Lee, all the way from Launceston. Yay! Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome well, to Box Cutters. to the cameras for there's the video no, podcast. There's no video podcast. I you just... know, but I can't help but wave. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The, the camera's up there if you want to no, no, wave to okay, those so, at home. So, watching so Tracy. On the video so, podcast. Tracy, you are one of our special guest donors who helped us get to Austin, Texas earlier in the year so that we could be a part of the South by Southwest Festival. Thank you. You're welcome. Amazing work. And uh, and as such, you get to come in, speak to us, see the show be made, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, namely how you watch TV. Well, I don't really watch that much TV, to be honest. I watch Ivy and any series that um, people recommend to me. Basically, I don't watch commercial TV. So, so you're you're also saying you you don't watch the physical, uh, the, the the physical thing that would be called a television. I watch it on my computer. Right. Yes. Do you watch yeah. it all on your computer? Maybe my iPad. Okay. My iPhone. And you don't watch any free to air TV, like like nothing as it's being broadcast. No. Do you miss the time when you used to watch ads? Definitely not. <laughs> so, so, what are the shows that you that you like to watch on iView and through other? Uh, th- through other methods that we won't name. Um, uh, I like spooks, uh, grand designs, oh. <laughs> anything sci-fi really. Um, grand designs is there's so much sci-fi. Grand designs. It's I don't know. I could do some pretty awesome grand designs for a sci-fi house. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Caprica when that came out. Really disappointed that that was only one season. I always get my Caprica without anchovies. You know, uh, John's John's going to uh, John's going to meet Jane Espenson, one oh, of the uh, really? one, one of the you writers. Say meet, I like to think stalk. But yes, I'm, I'm going to I'm going over to to BentCon, which is the gay comic con. <laughs> Sorry, even saying that out loud, it's ridiculous. I'm going that's, to, to so BentCon in LA. Hang on, if that's the gay comic con, then what's Comic Con? Uh, that's that's the slightly less gay comic con. Okay. And Jane Espenson is one of the guests, which is also one of the reasons why I'm going to to yes to stalk her mind brain. You could. Uh, so I'm going to give you a Hessian sack for, for when you go, John. If you could just shove her in that, bring her over here, can yeah. teach us everything she knows. That should be straightforward. Tracy, thank you so much for, for coming into the studio, coming all the way from uh, Launceston. Brett believes that you came all the way here just for this show, which is... I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's a harsh guest. She's, <laughs> she's, she's the most hardcore guest we've ever had. She's just just for, the, uh, for, for, for the listeners uh, who weren't privy to this earlier... Uh, the moment I fell in love with Tracy was uh, was was when Brett had made her a coffee. Brett makes very good coffee. Makes coffee for those who want it. Some of the, the best Boston around Melbourne studio and uh, and made one for Tracy. She was appreciative, and then he pushed the point, asking her <laughs> if it was the best coffee she had ever tasted. And without even a moment's hesitation, there she no said, I, I, no. "No, yeah, I, I think it was a reflex action." <laughs> Do you, to, do you want to reconsider? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Tracy. Now, now, it's time for you to, to step back so the other Olsen twin can, uh, can, Activate. can come onto, onto the microphone. Uh, listeners may remember a while ago in, in a previous incarnation of, uh, of Box Cutters, we had a gentleman by the name of Toby Halligan. Who? Toby Halligan. He uh, he used to do a, a segment that was called Trotters for a while. Then was oh, called uh, places, places, you've places you've strayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he was he then he, uh, was, he was here like a couple of years ago or something yeah. for a while. He yeah. uh, then he got a job uh, with the project, uh, which goes to air I think at six pm 
maybe. Anyway, whatever it was, it meant that he could no longer uh, also be a part of Box Cutters. Contract uh, precluded it. Yeah, we were mentioned by name in the contract. Yeah, we, we were. Yeah. We were. It's it's probably the most famous we have ever been <laughs> in uh, one of Greg Sitch's contracts. The uh, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, anyway, Toby's dead to us, <laughs> and now we have taking his role and making it her very own. This is the last we will mention Toby Allen. <laughs> Brenna Corny Glazebrook, thank you so much for being a part of the Boxcutters Yay! family. Thank you, thank you so much for letting me join for adopting me. As your rainbow box cutter family, you guys are like Brangelina. I feel so special. <laughs> I, I, I was secretly hoping that you were going to say rainbow bright and then oh, make some too. kind of rainbow bright analogy well, after that, but no. I don't see any cupcakes about, so I'm not about to go that far. Okay. So your role is to listen to the shows as we record it and then at the end correct us and tell we've gone wrong. Do, do you feel confident? In oh, that? I'm very good at judging, so <laughs> I feel... I feel ready. It feels right, John. It feels right. It's, it's good. It's going to be good. We're, we're very happy to, to have you here, Brenna. And at some stage, we will ask you how you watch TV. Oh, fantastic. Uh, but, uh, but in the meantime, let's just believe that you don't watch TV. All you do is work out how we're wrong at things. <laughs> well, you know. Because that is so good for my ego. <laughs> all I do is scan your Facebook page, Josh, and wait for errors so I can jump on them. So it's nice that now I'm, I'm getting to put that into you know, re- a real-life career. <laughs> I wish that wasn't true. <laughs> Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, we're going to uh, review the TV show Revolution. Mm. And, John, you're, uh, you're going to uh, uh, give us a rundown of uh, shows as per the Bechdel test. Yes, it's our, it's our mid-year Bechdel test test, only some months later than I planned to do it. But yes, the Mid- traditional one, which I'll explain what it is. Brett will tell us why he doesn't like it. We'll argue for a bit. We do this every so often. It'll be fun. It's good, good. <laughs> I, I, I've missed it. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. Since we last did this, I've, uh, I've read some uh, Alison Bechdel uh, works, so maybe I can... Uh, be a little bit more informed, or at least draw line drawings of them. Nice. Uh, so that, that'll be good. Uh, we have uh, one thing. We've got pork with uh, places we have strayed with Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters. News. Brett, the ACMA has been doing their own research, or its own research. The ACMA has been doing its own research. Yes, the Australian Communications and Media Authority has found that 5.2 million Australians watched television online for the first half of 2012. Um, so we're seeing a, a online viewing as uh, as coming kind of a lot more mainstream than it has in past surveys. Did ACMA uh, have uh, any previous numbers to go on? Or was this the first time that they've done this survey? Nothing from uh, previous, but uh, they they do cite that as 43% of Australia's adult, adult population uh, checking out stuff online. And also that uh, they are more uh, open to purchasing stuff online. So it's, it's more about online stuff, and I'm not sure why ACMA's got into that. Um, but uh, the, the catch-up kind of TV, your eye views and, and so forth, um, are uh, all powering on. I'll tell you exactly why Ackman's got involved in that, because as the uh, Australian Communications and Media Authority, that it, comes it, it, is, it is pretty much under their jurisdiction, <laughs> uh, or bailiwick, if you will, and Ooh. they... Uh, I know, Ooh, look Ooh. at Brett at the bailiwick. Ooh. I've actually never heard that word out loud before. Ah. It's one of those words I've seen written down, you know, like macabre. Or, the first time I heard that used in, in, in a BBC <laughs> drama, and went, oh, is that how it's said? Oh, wor- Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Muppets, you may have been watching the presidential debate the other day. You may not have been. But um, one of the things happened was Mitt Romney pledged basically to cut all the money to PBS because he hates them. And, uh, and he picked on Big Bird in particular, which seemed you know, mean-spirited. So there's now a campaign going on in America called the Million Muppet March, which has been set up by two gentlemen who didn't know each other. They've met through this, so already it's making friends. Oh. Michael Balavia, uh, 43, and Chris Meacham, 46. Oh, it's just so obvious, isn't it, when it comes to Muppet fans? Um... They they basically uh, decided they wanted to show support for PBS, which is, you know, uh, what, what's at stake here. And so to do it, they've set up a, an internet address called millionmuppetmarch.com. 
and they're planning on actually doing a, a million Muppet march. Uh, the, the goal is to actually <laughs> march on... March on Washington. Yeah, with a million Muppets. Um, uh, scheduled for 3rd of November at the National Mall in Washington, three days before the presidential election. That is th- that, that is a, a really great way to undermine the hard work of African-American <laughs> Isn't civil it? rights. Yeah. No, no, I missed it. I was thinking, because at the end of this, this article, just from The Guardian, says, they took their inspiration from the Million Man March, March, a gathering led by rights activist Louis Farrakhan in Washington in 1985 to promote civil rights. I thought, yeah, Louis must be pleased. It also, I think, in many ways, undermines, too, the political ramifications of uh, of, of the actual discussion. There's an attack ad involving Big Bird put together, which there were some articles in The Guardian going, this is making really serious issues fluffy, which is probably not the best thing to be doing. You want to actually be trying to, to really debate the issues. And the minute you kind of make it funny or a joke, it kind of takes that edge off, which you probably want in an election year and an election debate. It, it's... It's a really interesting thing because the, uh, the the idea of government funding for public broadcasting in in America has uh, amazing pros and cons, uh, and and there are there are decent arguments for for both. Uh, that is, uh, I, I think, I, I think you're right. Making it about Big Bird or making it about Sesame Street in particular, rather than making it about uh, PBS as as a whole and the service that PBS offers and the uh, and and the way that those things work, uh, is is very much a, a topic that needs a lot of debate. Well, curiously, it's funny that that in one way, making about Big Bird kind of from one stand makes it trivialised. On the other hand, they've probably picked the only thing on PBS that the majority of Americans care about. So it's, yeah, it, it's kind of odd. Also, the actual money involved in this, I should mention, it's piddly. The amount of money the government actually puts into PBS is $445 million. That was from the federal budget in 2012. That is a tiny amount of money. Mm. Um, and it's just, I can't remember if it was about PBS, somebody online had made that comment about trying to, to save the budget by cutting that is like trying to free up space in your hard drive by deleting MP3s. Like, it's, it's not going to actually make any difference. And it's such a small amount of money. Uh, it's I, clearly I think, an ideological issue rather than yes. a financial one. And uh, uh, it, it, re- it actually reminded me, that comment reminded me of uh, that first episode of The Newsroom where, uh, uh, where the, uh, the, the, the main guy... Uh, forgotten his name already. Will McAvoy. Yeah, Will McAvoy uh, says uh, s- says to the uh, the Democratic uh, person on on the stage that uh, the National Endowment for the Arts is is a joke that it's a loser because uh, nobody really cares about the arts and uh, you know it's important but it's not more important than not being made fun of about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminded me a, a, a lot of that. It's, it's basically the exact same argument that, that they're having. Uh, so that's how I brought that back to television, whatever. Shut I'm up. following with Will McAvoy on Twitter. He's very angry. <laughs> you know, he's not real. I know, but still very angry. Okay, okay, just, just, uh, just, just checking. I thought I was following Stephen Moffat, but it's really, really abusive, so I don't think it's him. So the uh, ACCC and uh, the, the ACCC last week... Uh, told the Seven Group, uh, Kerry Stokes's uh, organisation, that it was not in a position where it could buy uh, the majority of consolidated media. It already owned 25% of consolidated media. Consolidated media, along with News Limited and Telstra, uh, consolidated media owns 25% of Foxtel and Fox Sports. All right, are you with me so far? Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, now, News Limited wanted to buy Consolidated Media, which uh, was owned by uh, Jamie Packer's uh, group. Uh, the fact that Kerry Stokes was not allowed to buy Consolidated Media now means that News Limited is, and therefore News Limited will be a controlling stakeholder in Foxtel and Fox Sports. This now precludes News Limited from buying or, or uh, increasing its share in any free-to-air commercial network because it owning Fox Sports would give it an unfair advantage, I think. Yes, would give it an unfair advantage to uh, any uh, uh, any sport 
purchasing rights that uh, or sports rights purchasing that it, that it would need, which is the same reason that uh, the 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 Seven Group was not allowed to to buy it because. Uh, that would give them an unfair advantage over nine and ten with purchasing the rights to to any sports under the under the current legislation. Was there recently talk of News Corp uh, buying possibly one of the one of the other networks? I, I think there's always there's always been talk. I mean, for, for a while, News Corp was trying to buy uh, Channel Ten and and wasn't able to, and then the relaxation of the of the media laws here. Uh, made it possible that they could they could buy some uh, s- some stakes, mm-hmm. uh, but now that they are controlling shareholders, or now that they will be controlling shareholders, they're, they're not yet. They, they they will be controlling shareholders of Foxtel and Fox Sports. They won't be able to again. Uh, so it kind of goes round and round and round. What that means though is that uh, Rupert Murdoch is going to have a lot more control over Foxtel. Uh, and so we can uh, expect to see some interesting moves from uh, f- from what Fox and Fox Sports are both doing in the industry. I kind of lost it at the end there. Oh, I fell asleep ages ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that is the Box Cutters News. We lived in an electric world. We relied on it for everything. And then the power went out. Everything stopped working. We weren't prepared. Fear and confusion led to panic. The lucky ones made it out of the cities. The government collapsed. Militias took over, controlling the food supply and stockpiling weapons. We still don't know why the power went out, but we're hopeful that someone will come and light the way. Suspension of disbelief is one of the most important elements in telling any fictional story. There are rules and patterns that need to be established to help the viewer believe what happens on screen. In science fiction storytelling, suspension of disbelief is, in itself, the very trick that makes it work. We believe, for example, that a radioactive spider's bite gave Peter Parker certain skills and strengths similar to those of a spider. Or maybe that an island has magical and mysterious properties that can guide people's fate. If we break it down, we know that it can't be real. It's ridiculous. But if we do that, then we're missing out on all the fun of Spidey catching bad guys or John Locke being able to walk, as, which is fun. That's, I'm, saying, I'm saying John, walk, John Locke walking, that's, that's fun. As, as an audience, we enter into a, a covenant with the creators of a story. We'll believe for the time we're watching the show that the premise is credible if you put enough spin on it to make it possible to answer any questions we might have, or if you distract us enough from the premise with good drama elsewhere. We'll go with you, but it's not going to be easy for you. That's that's pretty much what we're saying to the story makers. In the new TV show Revolution from NBC in the US, within the first few minutes of the first episode, all the electricity in the world stops working. Fifteen years later, and the United States has devolved into outlaw militia controlling various territories and citizens surviving through subsistence farming. There are various characters who play various post-apocalyptic warrior roles that pretty much all draw heavily from all the things that predate and inform the Hunger Games. But none of them have any emotional hooks needed to elicit empathy from the audience. In episode four, for example, one of them dies and nobody cares. Revolution was, or Revolutionen, was created by Eric Kripke, creator of the hugely entertaining uh, Supernatural. Uh, John Favreau directed the pilot episode and J.J. Abrams and Brian Burke each have executive producer credits. With the exception of Favreau, whose direction is clunky when it's not cliched, the rest of those names should give us a guide as to the show's quality. Unfortunately for Revolution, it falls at the first hurdle. It's impossible for me to suspend my disbelief here. Batteries stop working, which means electrons no longer move from an anode to a cathode. This could mean... For example, that our nervous system might stop working. But let's just assume that scientists in 2007 were correct and nerves actually transmit messages via sound instead of electricity. There are still major problems for the whole world if ions stopped behaving the way they should. 15 years without any storms, for one. 
the premise of revolution is so ridiculous for me to even begin to accept. Supernatural creatures and magical islands are easy compared to no more electricity. Also, I find the characters boringly selfish and their quest is unsatisfying. Brent, you liked this show. Not much. Really? Really? No. What? Oh. <laughs> what? I, I suspect... No, I'm sorry, I'm genuinely shocked. So because, I. because I thought this show sucked and because I knew that he didn't like it from a, a comedy made before and we, we both assumed you were going to really like it. I just, assu- I just, <laughs> I, I just assumed that you, that you liked it because you know, th- it's got, it's got a, a, a hot girl with, uh, with archery skills and... Charlie, you know, and, we, and we know how, how much you think little <laughs> bitch she is. I don't even know who I'm walking with. I was going to go for. Everyone keeps leaving me. Yeah, I know you're dead, but can we can we focus on me for a little here? Everyone keeps leaving me. Oh, just horrible. Exactly. How can I make and, all and like the electricity people... turning off all about me? <laughs> and, and these people who've grown up for 15 years under militia, and they don't have the guts to to take care of somebody properly who's trying to kill them it's uh they're idiots they're (laughs) self-centered and and i really think the trope of the big mystery uh kicking off a a big show flash forward the event is over they're they're trying to redo lost and i don't think they ever will oh this is fun let's kick this shit to death no because i i took a new approach to this one because i thought brett was gonna have a go at me because um, uh, when the, fir- the show was first uh, announced, and we should mention uh, to explain Revel often, is that, that it's actually um, the O in the end is actually a little on-off button, like you'll get in a microwave. And we were discussing whether that means that the show's called Revolution On or whether it's called Revolution Often. Uh, either way, it's the, it's exactly the, the, the I, kind I really of like your revolution sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, but also it's the, the, the same... opening title card opens up with Evolution, evolution and then the R comes on, and, and all of it's so tacky and so kind of try-hard and. So I and I took this approach because I thought when I first heard about it, it was a really interesting idea, and I thought it was going to be like a Survivors, like the original seventies, you know, British show Survivors that I've talked about before, which where, was where all, a uh, woman comes out of a house and screams that she's all alone, all alone, yeah, everyone's dead, yeah. Uh, which is that's, that's all you ever saw of that, isn't it? <laughs> but basically, it's a show in which these very middle class people suddenly find themselves in a world where they have to survive using skills they don't have, and it just sort of follows them as they. And then, of course, the remake had to make it all about big mysteries and all that sort of stuff. And, and simply by skipping the 15 years forward, this show kind of throws away all the interesting stuff. It's like, what's the least interesting approach we can take? And I watched the trailer for the first episode and realized in the minute and a half, I had seen the entire plot, including the shock bit that comes just before the end credits, which you clearly like, okay, that's the shot that comes before the end credits. So my approach, rather than the rule of three, was I'll watch episode four. And I watched episode four, and it was terrible. It's so bad. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know, exactly like you're saying, Charlie just, she, I mean, she can't act for a start, which is a bad start. You want to punch her in the face. She's trying to rescue her brother, who can't act, and you want to punch in the face. It's called Punch in the Face On. And I just can't <laughs> work out why anyone wants to watch this show. It's, it's, it's also, it's science fiction for people who don't like science fiction. It's like, let's take the idea, explore the least interesting aspects of it. None of it makes sense, but that doesn't matter, because we assume the audience doesn't care. Well, they're going to drip feed the, the backstory. In, in lost it so wants to be lost yeah. like everything about it is and like you're saying all those shows that came out after lost trying to copy that they all failed why is this one trying again however many years later so I, i'm really i'm really disappointed because i really liked supernatural i really liked the first season of supernatural i thought that was excellent television it was a a, a return to horror we haven't believable. seen for, for a long time it was it was believable within its own world yeah uh and 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 the fact that this was written by the same guy just doesn't say, there's so much research went into S- supernatural and this seems to have had not even the very most basic amount of, of well, research in episode going to 4 it. nothing actually happens like if you write down like yeah like you mentioned a character dies and still nothing actually happens like they 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 walk a bit to try and find someone they don't find them a person dies and like there's no even the the villain in quotes there's no particular exploration of, of who he is and why. Which is what, what I like to think of as the walking dead syndrome mm-hmm. where it's uh, they, they, they pretend to have an overarching story but really every episode is just about escape from the bad guy, escape from the bad guy. It's been pointed out this show is actually much more like a role playing game than it is like drama. And, and observed like that where everyone is just an obstacle to, become, to be overcome rather than a story that oddly makes more sense. But how much XP do I get for sitting through four episodes? <laughs> the, 
the uh, Brenna's going to look that up now. Find out exactly how much XP I do get for uh, That's experience for, points. Brenna's not even listening to you anymore. No, That's how poor she is. She doesn't. She doesn't even care. Uh, the. So, so huge, huge problems with the fact that it's uh, Eric Crickby. John, you missed the first episode, and therefore you missed all the terrible direction that John Favreau's given it. And he's not a great director to to start with. Uh, and uh, he's the director of Iron Man, isn't he? He's he's the director of Iron Man, which which is a film which has no visual style whatsoever. No, it's pretty much like a film that directed itself. He's also uh, the director of a film called Zathura, which was the sequel to Jumanji. Oh, uh, yeah. Which yeah. was also just really ordinary. But he also uh, did Swingers, didn't he? Uh, yeah, but again, that was all script. Swingers was all script. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the script here is terrible. The script here is like a bad, like a really bad M. Night Shyamalan script. But it's also the thing you're saying about there's no characters, which is just really odd. You could swap the dialogue from anyone to anyone else. There's, you can't even... Like, even on the most basic level, there should be something like, well, he's the guy that does that. You know, it's like, and I've got nothing. I can't tell you who anyone is. They're all identical. So, John, you, you only watched episode four, so you missed, the, you, you missed all the bits where electricity actually does happen. The, the magic electricity that comes back. And, yeah. No, well, that was established. There was one shot of that in the, uh, in the trailer oh, in for the- episode one, and there was the previously on Right. So I kind of, that's the other weird thing. I watched episode four and didn't feel like I had missed anything. Like I genuinely didn't feel I needed to watch those first three to catch up. The, uh, th- there are some good actors in this. There's some terrible actors in this. Well, Gus but, is in it from Breaking Bad. Yeah, Gus Fring. And, and I, was, I was hoping that'd give it something good. G- Giancarlo Esposito, I think, is, is his yeah. name. And, uh, uh, yeah, but you know, you, you, can only, you can only work with what you've got. Uh, it is. It is currently going. To, I mean, this segment is a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> there, there really isn't. This thing. There really isn't a lot to say about this show. You know, it is. It feels like such placeholder television. And actually, I was thinking about this the other day. Shows like Community and uh, maybe you know, Chuck, something like that, will get all this kind of discussion and people talking about them and trying to save them. They're always teetering on the edge of yeah, falling over. And then you'll discover that something like Psych or, you know, Sanctuary. Is going going for, yeah, exactly. And it shows that you wouldn't even think of that don't have a particular audience. They're just there. And this feels almost exactly like that kind of show. Like it's, it's made to not annoy anyone. You know, it's, it's clearly like you can see all the references. You know, it's lost. You know, it's the Hunger Games. Like you can, you can tick off everything they've, they've had in some sort it's, of it's corporate really, group meeting. It's really expensive, though. Is there's a lot of location shooting. It doesn't look expensive. Except there's a lot of location. It doesn't look expensive because John Favreau set the style for it. Mm-hmm. It's never going to look expensive. It's always going to look cheap and ordinary. Uh, the, uh, but yeah, there's there's lots of lots of exterior shots and uh, lots. But you don't of, think lots they're, of they're all over the same four paddocks? It doesn't uh, matter. It's still, it just costs a lot of money to... to they set up the lights once, so I don't need to change anything. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's it. Remind me not to hire you as a, <laughs> as a line producer. The uh, uh, Just... I, I don't know why NBC, who, who clearly said to be in so much trouble that Jack Donaghy is, uh, is, is just trying to take, trying the, to network. take, yeah. take the network down, uh, why they uh, why would they spend money it's, on It's rating like okay this? for them so far. It, uh, the, the order's been upped to a full 22 episodes uh, after the first, first two, I think, they, they increased the order. So it's getting a full first season now. I wonder if, I, if I'd seen V... It, sorry, if, if I'd seen this when I was the same age as, as when I saw V, mm-hmm. the first, the, f- the original V, yeah, if I would think this was as good, I think I can I can see it appealing to teenagers, and and also the fact that Charlie, the the lead, um, who is just this whiny, whiny, self indulgent, just horrible, horrible character, self entitled, self entitled. I could see her appealing very much to teenagers. Like I think she's she's, all like that. she's twenty something, but I could see like yeah, fourteen, fifteen year olds going yeah. Like Charlie, people are dying, but somehow it's all about me. And yeah, but that's because I hate myself. Yeah, because I got my father killed. So I could see, you know, I can kind of see, and it's it's not a show that challenges you anyway. It doesn't ask you to do anything. It just sits there until the next one comes on. 
It, I'm uh, not even sure I can be bothered to find out why the electricity went out. Oh, who like, cares? Like, we'll never find out anyway. I, I was never interested enough to, to figure it, find out, read uh, about what the event was or flash forward what, mm. what was going on there. Yeah. I just left them behind. I, I, I have a feeling that uh, that when you do find out, like, oh, so why did all the uh, why, why did all the electricity go off? Oh, well, shut the fuck up. That's why. <laughs> I haven't done that joke for a long time. No. There, there was one bit in episode four. They're going, we've nearly caught up with the bad guys. Oh, look, a thing has happened, and now we haven't. And I thought, oh, it's going to be like this, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the worst episode of the Banana Splits ever. <laughs> so that is Revolution. Revolution. Evolution. It's one of those shows. It is on uh, Fox 8 if you're in Australia. It is on NBC if you are in the US. Has uh, it started here? It's it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's almost day and date. Uh, Fox, I think they they call it Express. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just call it Avoid. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Jane Badler. You're listening to Box Cutters. John Richards, it's been a long time since we've uh, looked at the shows that we've looked at and seen how they stack up to. The Bechdel test. And now that we're halfway through the year, it's time to do our June slash July Bechdel test wrap-up. I, I meant to do this earlier. <laughs> Are you only going to talk about shows that we did after no, June slash no, 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 July? I, I have made a full list. Um, so, basically, for those who came in late, the Bechdel test uh, is named after Alison Bechdel, the writer slash um, cartoonist who created Dykes, who, Dykes to Watch Out For, and more recently, the award-winning Funhouse, which I think you said Funhouse you read. Funhouse is a great, great book. I can highly it's, recommend it's it very, for, very for anybody who uh, likes stories. <laughs> wow. I felt like it was going somewhere more specific. No, no, really. It's, it's good for everybody. Okay. And, uh, and she's just written a, a new one as well that, uh, that is about her relationship with her mother. Mm. And, she's, yeah, she's a really interesting writer. And in Dykes to Watch Out For... There was a strip in which these two women were trying to find a film, and this lent itself to now what is known as the Bechdel test for the purposes of, of how we use it. It's more a thought exercise to point out the inherent sexism in, in most sort of big-budget narrative type stuff. But to pass the Bechdel test, there are three things you need. Your show, in our case our TV show, needs to have more than at least two women. That's the first point. So point A, two women or mm-hmm. more. B, who talk to each other. C, about something other than a man. The point of this exercise is that it shows up surprisingly how few things actually pass that rule in in a way that you really wouldn't have thought would be that hard. And it does point out, and, and the point which, because now traditionally we get to the point where Brett Cropley says, why the hell do we do this this bit, which we will come to Brett. And, and, and I'm going to let you, but I'm, I'm going to let you finish. But I'm, I just want to say... I'm going to let you finish. Yeah, but I just want to say... And, and part of the purpose, too, is, of course, if we played this game the reverse, saying how many of these shows have two men in it who talk to each other about something other than the woman they're in love with, everything would pass. You know, everything, that, that, is, that is the point of the exercise. But, Mr. Cropley, right of reply. Do we need to do this? <laughs> is, is there actually anything that this tells us that, that isn't plainly obvious? Uh, is, is there a reason to seek out those shows that do pass the Bechdel test? Yes, I'll 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 go with I'll go with yes. Uh, if, am if, I am I right, Sean? Well, well my, my my reason for doing this is I'm kind of curious to see if we do this frequently to see if the numbers are changing. Like, you know, do do we get more shows passing the Bechdel test? I think the last time we did this, we were surprised that that it, it, the result was better than it had been the time before. Of course, I've not bothered keeping any numbers, so it's still just random crap. Uh, unless somebody could go back in time and to the last time that we did <laughs> and actually the, listen the, the to us, but, actually, but no, we're not going to do that. The reason, the reason I think it's it's important, Brett, is because the Bechdel test shows a uh, an understanding of of humanity uh, and an understanding of uh, the the importance that each uh, gender plays or each sex plays in. Uh, in the world, so we're highlighting this, that we need more strong female characters that that talk about no, stuff not even strong necessarily, just, just, just more female characters. Highlighting, <laughs> highlighting the fact that uh, that writers acknowledge that women do things other than just talk about men the whole time, which is There's shopping. It's it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> 
It's it's essentially. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, mind Tracy on the way out there, roughly. <laughs> <laughs> she's got an iPad. She's not afraid to use it. <laughs> uh, one thing though that you did bring up last time we talked about this, Brett. Though, and this actually, I've been potting about. You were saying, well, why aren't there more? Like, why why aren't women clamoring for more representation, or, or why? Like, it's kind of interesting because. Because there is that question of how do you get this to happen anyway? How do you get more female characters on television? And why aren't there more? And that started to kind of worry me a bit too. Because especially in Australia, there are a lot of female producers. A lot of our television is produced by women. Why aren't there more but women in these shows? Who know that it's guys that are going to sign off on the money to get it greenlit. Okay, so they need to... Actually, yeah, to be fair, I did pitch something to the ABC and got told they already had their female lead show in, uh, in Franny oh, Fisher. Uh, which was repeated on the panel I was on late that afternoon, and someone said, "Just the one." <laughs> the, the uh, and so that's that's kind of why it's important. I, th- I think through through television shows uh, we can change people's expectations, mm-hmm. uh, and one of those expectations is how we as a society uh, see women and 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 the roles that they play. So we need in, to get this report to the ABC controllers, John. Yeah. Oh yeah. well, that's, that's, oh, let's go through we'll this. Let's go through this. So, go, go through the list so and then sell, sell it to the uh, multi-technology <laughs> guy, <laughs> multi-platform. So this is in reverse order. I've just gone through the podcast and chosen the big shows we talked about in each of mm-hmm. these episodes. So it's a little bit random, but we'll just see how we go. Breaking Bad. Are, are there more than two female characters in Breaking Bad? Yep. Do they ever? And Skylar uh, and her sister. That more than two. And, and they more, talk, more, more, well, than more than two. Even even though, but two is is acceptable. Two, there this, are it, there it, are two. Do they talk to each other? Yes. About something other than the men. Yes. 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 Well, they have. They certainly <laughs> have because because Skylar's sister's got that issue about stealing stuff. Oh, that was one episode. Well. Yeah, that, no. that's where it falls down a bit. I would say no. Uh, Mad Men, I'd say that does pass, because uh, there is actually quite a few scenes involving women talking about advertising and work mm-hmm. together. That, that's been uh, a theme. The Newsroom definitely has more than... It, okay, so so it, the, the Newsroom has, has this interesting thing where a scene will start, because I, I watched The Newsroom with these kind of eyes, the, a scene will start uh, with two women talking about news. And then, as a way to get them out of the scene, they will start talking about boys. Yeah, it does seem to go. And what about, do you think he likes me? Yeah, that, that's pro- oh, just problematic. Oh, just your hair on the other side. Continuum. I don't think the female characters ever... There's only really one main female character. The other one's kind of just a, a henchwoman, and she doesn't, I think, talk much. No, she doesn't talk much. I okay. don't even remember what that is. Uh, Animaniacs. <laughs> Animaniacs, I think, did actually have quite a few female characters. So, An- Animaniacs has particularly uh, Slappy Squirrel and uh, and and her uh, great niece or, or granddaughter, or whatever that uh, that character is. And yeah, they uh, they they don't talk about uh, men except uh, except for how uh, how they're going to fool them. And that's in every episode, what, pretty much. Oh, it's what, in a lot of episodes. Yeah. What do they talk about? Uh, they talk about uh, how to. Uh, uh, Basically, what scheme they're going to go through that yeah. uh, that that week, uh, and uh, the good old days of uh, of cartoons. Lily Hammer. There, no, no, uh, girls. I think girls yes. does pass. Y- yes. yes, Maid Marian. Uh, no, it's just no. Maid Marian. Well, there are also there are villages, uh, but. Kind of the the point there, though, is yeah. that it is it is it is one woman on on her own. So it doesn't. I, I put an asterisk next okay. to it. Special case. I put a question mark. Unsupervised. Uh, this is the lyrics thing going through this list. Is the, somebody shows you what was that again? Animation. Unsupervised. Yeah. Uh, catching, uh, no. No. House of Lies. No. Awake. No. Laid. That's slightly tricky as well, I think, that one. Definitely got the female characters. I can't remember they ever talk about anything other than men. But, but well, it's also... Well, but it's not the premise, men, but sex. It's the premise of the show, though. It is, yeah. It's kind yeah, of, that one's also kind of... Asterisk, yeah. asterisk. Uh, Till death do us part, all in the family, <laughs> Kingswood Country. No. No. Uh, luck. No women in that at all. Luther. Yes, there is the vet. <laughs> And and, and the, jo- the jockey and the jockey, uh, both of, never, both of whom never actually both of whom are always, other, no. always wearing pants. I just assume they're men. <laughs> uh, Luther, I don't think any of us have actually seen Luther in this room, so it's hard to know. That one was Courtney. Who reviewed? Oh. Oh. Yeah, 
Colin. Uh, I've only seen one episode of Luther. I would say no. Big Bang Theory? No. Woodley? Uh, almost no talking in Woodley. That's true. Uh, Spiral? Uh, yes. The Killing? Sorry, I fell asleep. <laughs> Well, that's a question mark. Uh, they've got two women talking about jumpers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Outland. Jumpers? Outland, I've got to say, only one episode actually passes. Uh, in my defense, there's only guest. There's only one <laughs> guest role in each, in four of the episodes out of the six. They're all bottle episodes. There was a gay love triangle thing going on. And, so apart from that, you've yeah. only got one female character. I only have one female enough. character. I was ashamed of it at the time. I, I will point out that was meant to be part, again, like it was meant to be that she was excluded within the group because of that was actually a thing that, yeah, but you know. And but, but also in, in that episode that has two women in it, uh, they are talking about relationships. Oh, but also they also talk about the science fiction clubs. They are oh, also talking about okay. the groups as well. Okay. Okay. And there is one other episode with two female characters, but the other one's a scary granny who doesn't talk. So, you know, again, I'm clearly a monster. Uh, so let's just say Outland fails. Uh, the Straits. Uh, yes. Grim. No. Once Upon a Time. Yes. American Horror Story. Yes. And Boss. There are two women, <laughs> but they're not talking to each other. No, no. A man is talking at, at them. them. while they simulate lesbian sex. Yeah. I didn't tell you to stop. So, yes. Okay. That's, uh... <laughs> Interestingly, uh, this kind of rolls into a, a, a podcast. I can't think of where it was, but uh, George R.R. R. Martin was on there talking about uh, Game of Thrones and, and talking about how, given it was HBO, if you had the sex on screen, then you could get so much exposition out because oh. they would be paying attention right. to the screen. So you and, use the sex scenes in the same way that James Cameron uses car chases. So basically, people can talk mm. as much as they want mm-hmm. as long as there's tits on screen. Yep. Right. Yeah. It, it, can I just say that with, uh, with, with Game of Thrones, that does not fool me for a second. <laughs> if, if, you, if you are pounding your sister while also talking about your plot to overthrow the government... I'm well aware that you're talking about your plot to overthrow the government and there is less subtlety in that scene. But there are brothel scenes as well. And y- yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I think does more exposition than, uh, than the incestuous So of our list, we've got seven have, ba- I don't know have why you like it so definitely much. passed the Bechdel test and, and that I think is actually worse than last time we, we did this particular game. But you don't know for sure. I can't remember for sure. So Tracy, um, you've just listened to three men talk about feminism, which must be incredibly annoying. D- did you have any opinion on the Bechdel test? Could you, sorry, sorry, John, could you be a bit more condescending? <laughs> could you, could you? So tra- Tracy, did did you have an opinion? <laughs> no, I'm female. Obviously, I don't have an opinion. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously, I don't think you guys have enough time for me to discuss all the issues that I have with a lot of the, um, a lot of the shows that are produced at the moment. As a writer myself... Um, I am seriously disappointed with a number of strong female roles and actually what it means to actually have a strong female role. A lot of people think that they have strong female roles, but once again, they end up just like the newsroom and putting forward women that close scenes going, oh my God, does he like me? Mm. That is not a strong female role. So what what do you want then? Uh, What would be your personal choice for for representation of... Um, I don't know, it's hard to say. Um, like, you know, perhaps a chick that gets up there and saves the world without having the carrot of a guy at the end of it to get married and have lots of babies and repopulate the earth. I just, you know. that's, that's not a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a carrot. Um, it's like re-watching uh, watching Chuck series four and, and part of the plot line is that Sarah and Chuck are getting married and there's a whole plot line about how he wants a really big wedding, and she doesn't really want that, and she suggests eloping. And the interesting thing is at no point does the show even imply that that would be an acceptable alternative. Like, it's always like, no, she's wrong. She needs to have the big dress, and she needs to have this. And, and there's finally an episode where she tries the dress on and realizes this is what she's wanted all along. And I, I got quite creeped out by it, hoping that somebody might actually listen to what Sarah wanted at some point, but no one ever did. But that... that, uh, that, that uh, idea of well, all women want is is just romance. Is the overarching st- story of Sex in the City as well? They all start off as independent. Uh, let's just have sex as much as we want, w- women, uh, and 
every single one of them ends up just going for romance in the end, even even the cynical ones. You say, Tracy, about uh, what would make a, a, a strong woman show? Like, what, what what would that be? And I think back to shows like the Mary Tyler Moore show, where we had strong women characters. Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda would often not talk about men. Uh, this was, and this was kind of normal and and expected. And somewhere along the lines, we've lost that idea. That I mean, we have it in Two Broke Girls, but you know, if you every time they say cupcake business, you say boyfriend instead. It's kind of the same thing. I don't know. Basically, um, most of us have the same interests as guys. We do sit down and we do talk about science, and we talk about. Um, things other than shopping. Um, I, for example, um, am currently studying information science, doing computer forensics, um, things like that. And we do actually enjoy getting involved in these conversations, but quite often there's not ever the actual level where we're actually invited because there's automatically that assumption from the Big Bang Theory that because she's a pretty girl, she's only going to be ditzy just like the girl that's in that. You can really easily stick with your strong female characters, keep them feminine. They don't need to be butch. They can actually have something that is effective and fun and enjoyable for both men and women. Is that one of the things that you saw in, in Caprica and, and Battlestar Galactica that, that, that drew you to, to those stories? In a way, um, I think that they were also playing to the markets, especially Battlestar Galactica, towards the end of the series with that. Um, that just went a little bit silly and I didn't even bother watching the last part of it. <gasps> um, <laughs> but... Um, I mean, you know, even Caprica, you've got um, the young girl, she's in there, and she's all fashioned up, you know. How ridiculous is some of the scenes that she's in, wearing a skimpy little dress trying to get around? I'd be wearing pants. John, you mentioned Chuck earlier. Mm -hmm. One of the things that annoyed me about Chuck, like, throughout, was uh, the fact that, what's her name? I've just forgotten her name. Sarah Walker. Sarah uh, would go on all of these missions in high heels, high heeled boots, yeah, and yeah. Uh, this this kind of r- ridiculous. Uh, there, there is no way. Chuck did try to have its cheesecake and eat it too. Yeah. Like it, it did, it did do a lot of those uh, hot women walking into shops in slow motion with wind with the, the wind machine wind on, and it was always kind of hard to know how much of that is parody and how much of that just is a cheesecake shop. Like it was always a bit different. I was thinking before what you were saying about. It's kind of funny if you look at the, the two of the most huge uh, book franchises of the last few years. They're Twilight and The Hunger Games, both of which are very much aimed at a female audience. F- Fifty Shades of Grey as well. Oh, actually, in Fifty Shades of Grey, you're them there, which is you know an offshoot, weird enough, from Twilight. Yes. And so, you, and you have that thing of, and there are of course films versions of that. Revolution quite clearly is trying to cash in on The Hunger Games. Yeah, mm-hmm. with with having a female lead, and it's so weird that it has a female lead, but she is such a pathetic female lead that you kind of you're more annoyed about her than anything else. That's part I've got to one of the reasons that these women are actually written like that is so that any woman can actually project themselves actually into that particular situation. Bella is just so neutral that anyone could say, "Oh, I read Jane Austen as a teenager." Or, oh, I like doing my homework. Maybe that could be me who has idiot vampire and crazy wolfman after me. I don't know. Part of it is being able to project yourself when you're reading and watching TV, especially for younger people, into those roles. And the more that you can actually immerse yourself in whether it be a TV show or a video game or a book, um, you actually feel like you identify with it. So the blander the character, the easier it is for anyone to actually put themselves in that place rather than looking at the world from the point of view of that character, which is quite often what the best writers want you to do. Look at the world from the perspective of the character that they're writing in their novel. Brett, are you at all convinced that the uh, Bechdel test is is a worthwhile exercise? Uh... That's that's better than we had last time. I'm yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to take that, that's and then and then we'll come slowly. we'll come back to this for the end of year one sometime around June, and <laughs> and we'll see how we go. Slowly, slowly. If you watch one thing, 
Baseball. Baseball, baseball, lead up to the World Series, baseball. That's it. Baseball. Right. It's on a lot. It's on a lot. I watch that on my uh, iPad. It's okay. uh, not, not, not on the TV anymore. I've got an uh, MLB TV sub- subscription. Mm-hmm. And I can watch it uh, on my iPad while I'm at work. Is okay. it on TV here? Just uh, on cable. It is. It is on, uh, is on Foxtel, uh, on Fox Sports, and uh, it is also uh, some games are on 1HD. Uh, but no, it's uh, doesn't it kind of cheapen it knowing that they're all on steroids and and that's not really a thing. Just uh, makes them prettier. No, because that does that has pretty much nothing to do with uh, all the wonder of baseball, <laughs> Mr. Crumbly. Uh, my one thing is uh, Black Mirror is actually on SBS. Excellent, uh, the Charlton. Um, Charlie Brooker. Charlie Brooker. Charlie Brooker uh, wrote uh, dystopic, just. You know, kind of nightmarish to think about. This is possibly where we're going. SBS is running a great ad for it, but they do use the word comedy twice, and I would really say don't approach what? it as a comedy. Oh, yeah, because I know there's it's no not. jokes. There's no jokes. It's not funny. It's, no just, jokes. it's just a drama. It's yeah. just, just approach it as a drama. It's, it's a horror. I know that it won a comedy award. It actually won the the, the Rose uh, Montreux Rose Rose, Rose Burn. <laughs> the Rose Burn. It won the, the Rose Burn comedy, which is what they mentioned. They mentioned dark comedy, but it's, it's a very good ad. But um, 22nd of October is. Uh, the entire history of you, which is the the, the final, oh, which episode. is so sad, so incredibly so sad. sad, and and yeah, and it's all about technology and, and how it can go bad, yeah, no, that's and how choice. it may actually go bad. Um, I'll be flying to America again to watch uh, Thirty Rock, I believe. Um, we're in the last series of Thirty Seven Rock. Season? Yeah, this is this is the end of um, last thirteen episodes to half season. Uh, so far on the two episodes which I've flown over to see um, it's been it's been really good it's a really great setup this year so basically Jack Donaghy doesn't work, want to work for Cable Town he's trying to tank NBC by putting the worst possible shows on there's a lovely light about it how long have you been doing this seven years eight about six weeks oh and, and it's just really interesting to see the plot twist from last week was that uh, in the election campaign, there's a new vice presidential campaign who looks exactly like Tracy Morgan. And so they're now getting him to do sketches based on that person. But that's making the ratings go up and they have to try and get the ratings. To go. It's, it's, it's a really clever structure this year. And the fact they're only working with 13 episodes, I think, means it'll be a really strong series to go out on. Uh, Tracy, if you're going to watch uh, one thing this week. The final episode of Dollhouse. Oh, have you not seen it yet? No. Oh, <laughs> Oh, you're in for uh, some wonder and disappointment. Disappointment, <laughs> d- d- disappointment mo- mostly because there's Thanks, no more Josh. dollhouse. Okay. Like, not, you know, spoiler, but there's no more dollhouse after that. Yeah. That's, that's where I the disappointment know. comes in. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good It's always idea. a good, good way to go in. Don't get your hopes up. And that's playing on 11, I think, dollhouse. She doesn't know. She doesn't I know, know but let's say 11. Why not? Yeah. Pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Uh, I, I want to say quickly, uh, Box Cutters is now going to be available on Thursdays. Yeah. That's, Why not? <laughs> you, I, I'm just saying, treat them mean, Josh. Don't, you know, don't promise them something. Just say, look, it's available when it's available, people, but and they, you'll love it. They, they expect Bitches. it on a day. They expect it on a day. It's the internet. There is no time. People, people started, like, we, we kind of drifted into Wednesday, and then people started going, Wednesday's the day it comes out. Yeah, now it's Thursday. <laughs> It's a timeless show. Uh, John, remember a while ago you were talking about uh, going to a cinema to watch television? Yeah. I, I, I did a, a weird thing yesterday where I went to uh, the, a village cinema to uh, watch 1HD be broadcast onto the screen at yeah. the cinema to watch, uh, to, to watch the, uh, the, the uh, Grand Prix, the Korean Grand Prix. The Korean Grand Prix, yeah, the biggest Grand Prix of them all. Oh, don't don't you don't you know it? Uh, the uh, Psy, uh, who's a famous single Gangnam Style, uh, yeah, is, he was the uh, he was the checkered flag uh, oh, waver, it? yeah. Huh. Uh, did he, did he wave it like that, and so it was. Uh, <laughs> Which can be confusing. He he, he waved it very nonchalantly. Uh. It was really. No, and just, uh, just just kind of just back and forth, back and forth. Maybe things. he was there thinking, God, I'm just a one-off gimmick that will yeah. disappear but without trace in a minute. He was standing right next to Joe Dolce. It was really, <laughs> uh, really interesting. Uh, but yeah, so, so I, went to, I, went, I, I paid $10 to go and sit in a cinema and watch something that we could have watched on broadcast television at the same time. But did it make it better? It did. It did make it better because I was enjoying the Grand Prix with a whole lot of other people. So, so I got to hear the bits that they were interested in. When, you, when you're at a Grand Prix, you can't hear anybody else think or say anything. 
Uh, but when you're in a, a cinema, you can hear people gasp at different moments or, or clap or it's really, it was, it was really fascinating. I got, I got a lot out of it. So I say more watching television <laughs> in rooms full of strangers uh, on, on very large how, screens. Just how, one, how many one, people were there? It's pretty much full. There's probably uh, uh, 200 people. That's quite cool. Yeah. Um, I've got a plug to, to do just yeah. from, for myself. Uh, for the 2012 Readers and Writers Festival, I will be doing a talk at the Box Hill Library on Saturday, 27th of October, 2 to 4 p.m. I'll apparently be telling you how to write comedy. Uh, I, I think... It, it got a bit confusing. I think I'm doing my usual talk about Atlan for an hour, and then I'm doing some writing exercises. Woohoo! Oh. <laughs> It'll be fun. I've got one involving a clip from The Room. I'm quite looking forward to doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I use The Room as an educational tool. Speaking of educational tools, I'm sure we got a lot wrong in this, uh, in, in this episode. Should we, should we check in with uh, Brenna Courtney Glazebrook? Let's. The Places You've Strayed. With Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. Brenna, this is uh, this this is your, your first chance to uh, to listen to uh, all of the lack of information that we have, uh, and then try to keep up with uh, all, all the things that, that we got wrong. How, how did we go? Look, oh, much to my disappointment, you were all quite thorough with your research. So, damn you! I've been oh, going back and forth, going find fails, but you've done pretty well. I did um, pick up on a few things, though, a few little things that you failed to uh, perhaps pick up on. Um, I'm wondering if maybe Mitt Romney is taking money from PBS because his name actually sounds like it should belong should belong to a Muppet. Oh. Because I have I have this image of Kermit the Frog saying, Hey ho, Kermit the Frog with the Sesame Street's news flash and then doing an interview with Mitt Romney outside a baseball stadium <laughs> and it's just this baseball glove <laughs> in a in a baseball hat and he talks like Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver, that kind of thing. <laughs> So that's why I think that Mitt's having a bit of a, a bit of a bad time with PBS. We didn't with the Bechdel test. Uh, one one uh, series you didn't touch on, um, which has just come back, season seven, is Dexter. Uh, I feel that there are a lot of strong female characters in Dexter, and I don't know how much time we have left to talk about it, but. Um, you know, we've got Deb, we've got Maria LaGuerta, uh, we've got, we had, well, we had Rita. Spoiler alert, sorry, I should have said that beforehand. Um, no, well, she got turned into a vampire. <laughs> yeah, she, someone went all twilight on her in the bath. Um, and Lumen, and, you know, I, I feel that that's a show that has a really amazingly strong cast How? of people, women into, oh. How often are they in scenes together not talking yeah, about Do they men? get to talk to each other? Yes, quite often. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. They're normally just talking about crime and, uh, and you know, the Bay Harbour Butcher. And particularly in this new series, I don't want to give anything away. Oh, d- but, um, do. I've sacked it. I've I mean, sacked Dexter. Deb is particularly strong because she finds out about uh, Dexter's dark passenger and she's really coming into her own um, as his protector and his shepherd and you know so it's, it's quite this amazing transformation because the first season was a bit sort of like Deb was this happy-go-lucky police officer who got trapped into the Rudy's arms and she, but now she's this amazing strong woman who's kind of trying to help Dexter get rid of his you know, psychotic needs. So once um, again, serial killers are bringing people together. <laughs> they are. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to touch on a few things. Um, you forgot from Breaking Bad, you forgot um, Jesse's girlfriends, who um, have both been quite strong. Um, Lydia, who distributes the meth. She's part of Gus's, Gus Frink's little meth distributing rink as well. Uh, I've never seen her with another woman ever. Oh, okay. Okay, well, yeah. clang, I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, the, oh, Big Bang Theory. I don't really want to talk about it more because I don't want to admit that I've seen it. Um, but I know that there there are more women involved now and I know that they do talk about things that aren't men-related. Um, in fact, they're there more than anything these days to show up how crazy those science nerds are. Um, so, you know, that's I'm just touching on the subject there. But, look, you did a good job. I would give you all an elephant stamp for that one. Um, 
no feminist bone in my body was raging against the machine, so it was fine. Um, but one thing that you did get so wrong, so wrong, oh, so I've left it for last, um, compliment sandwich. Um, actually, I don't have a compliment to follow this up, so just shit sandwich. Um, it's an open compliment sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you said before, Josh, you, I'm naming and shaming, the grand designs it could not be considered sci-fi. Wrong, my friend. Uh, have you never seen an episode? First, C- correct. First, first of all, oh, you have. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to correct correct you. Um, when they open up the show, they do a computer visualization um, or computer aided design, as Wikipedia would <laughs> uh, let me quote, um, view of the intended project. And was there not some kind of 3D map in Prometheus? <laughs> Thank you. I know it's a long bow to draw, but I'm bloody drawing it. And then, like every good sci-fi series or films, um, it, it has an unnecessary amount of spin-offs. Um, Grand Design has about seven. It's got Grand Design Indoors, Grand Design's Abroad, Grand Design's Trade Secrets, Grand Design's Live, Grand Design's Live Today, Grand Design's Australia, and Kevin's Grand Designs. We all know that every sci-fi series has too many spin-off series, and so does Grand Designs. And the fourth thing... Is Kevin McLeod never ages? <laughs> <laughs> so clearly he's a robot. Enough said. I am shutting my computer and we are taking this. Yep, yep that's done. That's Over. Done. Arguments I, finished. I, I stand. I stand corrected. Thank you very much, Brenna. That that was uh, that, that was uh, informative and, and, and hilarious. Before we go, and while yes. we're on science fiction, uh, do we have that lovely tweet that came in from? Yes. Yes, yes we do. From uh, Danny so- Danger Oz. Because uh, we, we don't have a, a letters to box cutters this week, but we do have uh, a tweet that uh, Danny Danger Oz, a former uh, a special guest donor, uh, sat, sat in that very chair. Let's just say, I don't know, the chairs get moved around. Who knows, Tracy? But uh, we, we'll assume it's sat in the, the same chair. Uh, he said, uh, re episode 318, love Doctor Who on ABC iView. In 1980, we'd get new episodes sent over the U- over from the UK on audio tape and listen to them. I love that because it's clearly mental. I do remember the days of videotapes being sent over. But I love that Daddy's just a tiny bit older than I am and remembers audio tapes instead, which just seems... That was, that was yeah. a big trade in Buffy videotapes getting sent over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did a lot of, uh, of that kind of trade. That's the other thing I think people, people go about piracy. You're going, look, everyone, people used to do this. It's just cheaper it's now. Just, it's just the postal costs are less. Maybe that's the complaint. Less carbon miles. Yeah, exactly. On, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's better. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 320. I want to say thanks very much to Tracy Lee because uh, she's excellent. She was amazing. Yeah. Uh, until next week, my name is Josh Kanan. I'm John Richards. I'm Tracy. I'm Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. How do I do this? You say, you say, I continue to be Greg Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch Catch us again again next week. week. Same bad time, same bad channel. channel. And then I say, let's let's be careful out there. My name is Tracy Lee and I donated to the Box Cutters South South West Fund. This episode of Box Cutters was produced by Josh Kinnell and Brett Cropley and John Richards. Brett Cropley makes the sound. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant likes tequila and does drunken things with the servers. John Richards edits the show well. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. If you enjoy this show, just tell three friends about this show and help them enjoy it. That's too hard. You can always go to boxcutters.net slash donate and actually give them money or rate it on iTunes. Or just read my blog and we'll all know what you mean. I don't know, I don't know if, if, they, if they still are together, but, uh, but for a long time, uh, Jane Espenson was, uh, uh, was dating a Jeopardy champion. Whose uh, whose book I read about uh, about being a Jeopardy champion, and uh, and so they they were like my ideal couple. Since we are very since we are horrifically off off the topic, um, one thing because you know, we were saying I am on Twitter now, <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing uh, I have learned from it is that Katie Manning, the former Doctor Who companion, and Barry Crocker still are a couple. Oh, I thought they'd split up because she moved back to England, but apparently they're still together. And I was so excited to learn that from Twitter. Oh, bless. Bless, because they're bless. my favourite celebrity couple, is someone who was one of, a John Pertwee assistant and that guy that sang the Neighbours theme. So imagine, imagine... I keep trying to work out what their name is. 
<laughs> yeah, like Tomcat and that sort of thing. Imagine the dinner party we could throw, John. <laughs> it would be awesome. It'd be so good. It'd be so good. We would all sit in silence, just staring at each other. Uh, Brett, in, in 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 the in the credits there, Tracy uh, Tracy mentioned her her blog. Yes. Uh, do Do you know what the? No, I, I was unaware of the blog. Tracy, can you uh, can you tell us all the the URL of of your blog, and then we'll make sure c- certain people uh, certain people actually uh, listen to it. It's at about me forward slash Tracy Lee nine. All right, we'll, uh, we'll we'll put a link to that on the box cutter site as well, and then you might get some very special readers. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed box cutters. <laughs>